Hello and welcome back to Hype Talk. First of all, I'd like to thank all of you for all the kind words that you've been saying about the first two episodes. I'm once again having our long discussions on Game of Thrones and a lot of you all have actually thanked me for all the reminiscing that has been happening. But honestly, all the credit goes to the show being an absolute piece of artwork that it is and I've done nothing but played a fast forwarded version of the show which I'm very glad you all seem to like. This is the last episode of Game of Thrones where we discuss the 7th and the 8th season which aren't exactly based on the books. The next episode is going to be on a very beautiful movie. Until then, we have some unfinished business with Game of Thrones. The 7th season of Game of Thrones starts with what everyone calls as the cold opening where winter comes for house free. The scene is more like a statement for Arya's character because she's letting everyone know that this is who she is now and this is how she plans on avenging her family. Unlike Sansa, who is more interested in the politics and she has, you know, she's just had a win and somewhere feels responsible for winning the Battle of Bastards. Jon Snow, or should I say Aegon Targaryen? I don't know. It's just something about Kit Harington that isn't very Targaryenish, you know, he just seems a lot like Ned Stark with the appearance and the accent. So anyway, John has been restless since his encounter with the Night King, and some or the other thing just keeps coming in his way before he even thinks of planning for the war that actually matters. First, he got killed, then it was Ramsay, and now he's got two ravens. One is from Samuel Tarly, saying they have to get a dragonstone to mine dragonglass to fight with the White Walkers, and second is from Tyrion Lannister who, on the suggestion of Melisandre, asks John to meet with Danny. The second useful thing this woman has done so far. Daenerys Targaryen has finally crossed the narrow sea and has successfully landed on Dragonstone, which was a home to her ancestors for a very long time. There's a very beautiful seven-minute-long non-verbal scene when Danny arrives at Dragonstone, and obviously there's so much on her mind right now, and so much she possibly has to say now of all moments. And, I mean, anyone who's been through hell and back to get where she is today would have a breakdown, but power is the only thing that drives Danny, and that's the one thing she's made very clear since the beginning. Cersei, on the other hand, is at a stage of war where she's powerful enough to declare war against whoever she feels like and whenever she feels like. She's lost all three of her children, her father, her dignity, and at this point she's fighting for herself, which is the worst kind of fighting there is. The one thing that separates Danny and Cersei is that Danny has an open mind, and the kind of decisions she's made in the past and all the people that she's trusted, like you know Tyrion, Varys, Jorah, and now Jon, Cersei would have never been able to do that. She didn't even trust her own brother, for God's sakes. All Cersei has ever cared about was her own family, being Jamie and her kids in a position of power at all times and at all costs. This whole season is about the game actually coming down to just two players. And this is when you can clearly see that there's a line between both of them that's letting distinguish the good and the bad. But it kind of begins to blur until the next season. We have a scene in the second episode, which is a strategic discussion among four super powerful and badass women on the show. We have Danny, Olena Terrell, who's responsible for High Garden, Ilaria, who's in charge of Dawn, and Yara. And all these women have their own issues with Cersei, and that is the one thing that unites them more than anything. But also, this is the time when they can beat Cersei, because not only do they have a fleet, but there's an army. There are three full-grown dragons, 
and if they were atta- to attack King's Landing in the present circumstances, the city will fall and it will fall quickly. However, Cersei isn't the only issue that requires dealing, so that wasn't really a practical move to make. Now, coming to the most awaited alliance on the show. Y'all have no clue how much these two seasons mean to me, just because Jon finally meets Danny. And of course, the show is beautiful on its own, with all the other characters and their individual struggles, and so many wonderful scenes, but this thing, this one thing, personally I feel this is the essence of the show. This one moment, this is the one moment I've been waiting for, for the past six seasons, and good God, this is the one thing that I can't seem to get over. So when the idea of creating an audio, reaction-based audio content came to my mind, this was the one thing that I was the most excited to talk about. So yeah, in the third episode of the seventh season, John arrives at Dragonstone with the fewest of men possible and one man whom he trusts, that is Sir Davos, with a hope that Daenerys will somehow understand the urgency of his cause and offer a hand of help by keeping her own battles aside. But Danny expects him to bend the knee. The first time they both see each other, Danny sitting on the throne with her security and everything, Whereas John has no entourage. He doesn't even have a lot of titles. But the one thing that this scene puts light on is that John and Daenerys are two characters who are similar and opposite at the same time and in so many ways. For starters, both of them had a rough childhood without their parents. Both of them have earned the trust of their men and it wasn't easy. As I mentioned before, both of them had a rebirth, kind, sort of. And did impossible things that no one would ever think of. But also, Danny wants to rule the Seven Kingdoms and John doesn't. She's always wanted to be powerful and John never wanted it. He never wanted to be named the King in the North. It's just something that fell on his shoulders. And at this point, Danny is this close to establishing power over the Seven Kingdoms. And from her perspective, Jon Snow, is, who isn't even a true-born son and yet calls himself King in the North, is asking her help to fight for a cause that she doesn't even believe in. And from John's perspective, Danny is the daughter of the Mad King who burned his grandfather and his uncle alive and he doesn't really care about who, he's, who sits on the Iron Throne next. All he needs for her is to believe in him and fight for his cause. So he takes her to the caves but Danny is hell-bent on getting him to kneel and that is actually something John starts to reconsider. Jamie Lannister takes a lesson from Rob Stark and attacks Highgarden with all the Lannister men leaving a few behind at Custody Rock to trick Grey Worm with the help of Euron Greyjoy, who destroys Danny's fleet. Danny, who is now furious to have lost all of her allies because of Tyrion's counsel, asks John for advice, but John backs Tyrion and says it's best to wait for the right time. But Danny's pissed enough to wait it out, so she mounts Drogon and attacks the Lannister siege at Gold Road and destroys the gold and food supplies and most of the Lannister army and the huge dragon crossbow that Kyburn made. Again, such a beautiful sequence. There's a shot where Tyrion watches Jamie run at Daenerys with a spear in his hand, and he's equally concerned about both of them, but Braun of Blackwater Bay saves the day. <laughs> Sorry. Samuel Tarly has turned out to be a super responsible, rational, and clever man since he ran off with Gilly. He's managing to regress a baby boy in the Citadel, and he cures Sir Jorah from Grayscale. Also discovers about Dragonglass and sends a raven to John and finds out about Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen's secret wedding ceremony. Tali is basically a very important piece of the puzzle. 
Season 7 is a big season for the Starks. Brandon Stark and Arya Stark return to Winterfell in the third and fourth episodes respectively. And they are welcomed by their elder sister who is now in charge of Winterfell behind Jon. Every time I watch the scene where Bran meets Sansa, it's so difficult to hold back tears. The same happens with any family reunion on Thrones because they have these strange histories and they have no idea about what the other one has gone through and how they even made it to where they are now. Sansa's expression sums up the same emotion because she knew they lost Rickon in the Battle of Pastels but she had no idea where Bran was and seeing him all grown up and that too hooked up to a wheelchair. She stares at him wondering what all happened and how and Bran being the emotionless three-eyed raven says nothing more than a hello. But you can see that he knows what Sansa's been through and what Arya's been through and he really wants to be wishing that he would have been there for the both of them. But now he's just sympathetic. And pathetic. <laughs> Again, sorry. Another heartfelt sibling reunion was between Jamie and Tyrion Lannister. Jamie feels betrayed because Tyrion killed their father and rightly so. But it's also evident that Jamie has a lot of love for his little brother in his heart and deep down he knows and agrees that Tyrion would have never gotten the respect and position that he has now if their father was alive. Tyrion is a very smart man and so he convinces Jon to get proof of what he saw north of the wall and bring it to Cersei and show her how we're on the same side. And I have to agree that it was a pretty solid plan but they should have considered at least getting enough resources. If not enough men. Six men? Seriously? They really underestimated the Night King here, and as a result, they find themselves at the frozen lake beyond the wall. And only if Genry wouldn't have fetched Danny and her dragons for help, that is how they all would have died. But Danny comes for help with her fierce dragons, saves all of these people, and flies without John to the wall. That is the first time she truly addresses her feelings for Jon Snow, and realizes that he's different from all the other men she has met, and. Once she sees everything and believes everything, she agrees to fight for his cause. Oh, John, by the way, is saved by Uncle Benjamin, which made so much of sense because everyone was wondering why he was alive and what's his purpose. There we go, purpose fulfilled. Although the Night King has the siren now, that's pretty bad. The Stark siblings pull off an excellent execution of the little finger, one of the one of my favorite scenes to watch on the show. It was very smooth and well reserved, but Sansa here is the royal glory of the scene, and it's so good to see the new this new side of her, who's good at ruling, who's composed, and is fit to look after the North on her own. The last episode of this season is also my favorite episode for one scene, which is the Dragon Pit meeting. We have around 20 principal characters of the show, especially rivals, facing each other. Some for the very first time, some straight after the tragic incidents that led to their enmity. Everyone who watched this scene for the very first time is most likely to have watched it again and again, or at least one, at least more than once, because there's so much to catch up on. So many people, so much of bad history, so many non-verbal glances. You can't expect a person to process all of it merely in 10 minutes. The number of tragic encounters, oh my god, let's see, Tyrion and Bronn, Tyrion and Podrick, Tyrion and Cersei, Cersei, Jaime and Brienne, Brienne and the Hound, the Mountain and the Hound, Euron and Theon, but all of this rests aside when Danny enters the pit. Oh my my, this is a huge moment for Danny. She has absolutely no need to call a truce with the woman who she can never imagine making peace with. If she wishes, she can burn everything right away and sit on the throne. But she's here because of John, because of her love for John. 
should we call it love yaar i don't know so danny had to make a strong entrance because why not and to top it off she had to make sure everyone pays attention so she arrives late and everyone gets up in awe of this huge creature but tyrion is busy looking at cersei who is trying hard not to be impressed by her but it's impossible not to be impressed by the silver-haired goddess who gets down from the dragon and sits right beside cersei's brother uh, i mean another brother and the cherry on the cake is that she's humble enough to apologize on being pointed out that she's late no personal bias but i loved in eris so the meeting begins with cersei insulting john to piss him off until he plays the white card and cersei apparently instantly changes her decision but in exchange asks john's allegiance and john declines danny tries to talk him out of it but this isn't just loyalty anymore it's the woman he loves okay lost it's also the woman who saved his life and lost one of her children in order to do that do that and most importantly it's putting a halt to her desire of power in order to achieve what's important to him there's no way on earth john would betray her at least for now i think the season closes when jamie leaves for the north to fight for the living and bran finds out that lyanna stark wasn't raped or murdered she was in love with rhaegar targaryen and john is the rightful king of the iron throne also the night king breaches the wall with the help of danny's dragon told you it's pretty bad the last season of game of thrones it sounds so sad doesn't it the last season of any show sounds sad but there's nothing you can do about it except for you know cribbing for your about the finale and then making others listen to why you were cribbing and try to get closure anyway the first episode of the 8th season is about the dragon queen coming to winterfell there's a small child who's running through a huge crowd to see the unsullied the dothraki and the beautiful queen everyone has been speaking of we have everyone except cersei and euron each one of the principal characters who are alive at the same place together getting ready for something larger than them that's coming for them it's pretty amazing the best part about the first episode was john reuniting with arya her fascination of his sword the contempt in her eyes when he when she sees john shows how happy she is to finally meet him but the thing about arya is no one knows what she has become except for bran who knows everything and sansa who saw the faces or brienne who fought her john doesn't really know her or what all she's been through but it's okay because she makes a pretty big statement very soon so cool in the north no one really likes danny i mean they like danny who wouldn't but they don't like john favoring danny and giving up his crown which was fair sansa meets tyrion for the first time since the purple wedding and tells him something he knows deep down that cersei isn't going to send an army to the north which i think we all saw coming in this episode samuel tarly gets to know that danny burned his father and his brother alive because they refused to bend the knee right after that he meets bran who then tells him to give john the news about his true parentage so sam like any one of us would do directs his anger about danny into convincing john that he should be the king by all means in king's landing euron greyjoy finally gets in bed with cersei and cersei sends bron with a crossbow to murder tyrion and jaime if they make it past the long night the audacity this woman has she keeps surprising me towards the end of the first episode jaime locks his eyes with bran super awkward all jaime is thinking right now is one you're still alive 
two, the look on her face tells you remember who put you in that wheelchair. Which, by the way, was a waste because Bran made it to the three-eyed raven just like he was supposed to and not only learned about Jamie and Cersei but also so much more. It would have been a lot easier if Bran had legs though. In the beginning of the second episode, Jamie stands before Sansa, Jon and the Dragon Queen. The Kingslayer finally meets the daughter of the king he slayed. Danny gets pissed at Tyrion when she learns that Cersei never intended to go forward with the truce and send her armies to the north to fight besides the northern men. Brienne, who also secretly admires Jaime since he saved her from the Bolton Bannerman, vouches for him and they allow him to fight besides them. Danny meets Sansa to make peace with her, which was such a beautiful scene. Leadership and love for Jon are the two things that have that they have in common and Danny tried to do an excellent job at winning Sansa's opinion until she asked for North to be a separate kingdom which doesn't really make sense to me I mean what's the difference if the woman sitting in front of you who is your brother's lover and cares about you enough to make truce with you is going to rule the seven kingdoms why on earth would you ask for one of her kingdoms she would have given you anything you would have asked for but I think there's a point that I'm not seeing here because I really wanted wanted both of them to bond. There's a strategic roundtable scene in the second episode where again we have most of our principal characters in one room. They plan on how to fight the White Walkers and there's an obvious nervous undertone in everyone's voices and we don't really know if they'll ever make it because they've hyped this thing so much and we've seen millions of them and how they fight and looking at the table we get an idea of the ratio of the dead to the living which is nothing but scary and in times like these, when everyone has a common enemy, people become more human, more aware, and more sympathetic. We just faced a pandemic. We can imagine what it must be like fighting on the same side for a change. One of the ending scenes of the second episode is a very emotional one, when Podrick sings Jenny of Old Stones in the background, which is a great song, by the way, you should listen to it. While Sansa eats with Theon, Grey Worm kisses Missandei, which is kind of seems like a goodbye kiss, by the way. Arya sleeps with Gendry, of all people, and Jamie knights Brienne, and the Night King is almost lurking on the outskirts of Winterfell. But just a minute before that, Danny finds Jon staring at the statue of Lyanna Stark, and that is when he reveals this brand new piece of information he just received. And she's super stunned to hear it. And she has every reason to, because she just got to know that the man she's in love with is one, her nephew, Two, the last living male Targaryen heir, which means he has a solid claim to the throne. And three, he's a threat to her only purpose in life, which was to rule the Seven Kingdoms. The Long Night is, I guess, the most important episode on the show, which puts an end to the universal bad guys on the show. The show has a particular pace, as I've mentioned before, and they've always shown only the things that matter. And this episode was basically... Everyone knew that the Long Night had to be the biggest battle sequence on the show. And yet, every part of an otherwise terribly disturbing sequence was gripping and kept us all hooked to the screen. We could see everyone, literally everyone, defending themselves. Right from John and Danny and Arya who were at the front lines. And, you know, everyone from Beyond the Wall and from the Night's Watch to Sansa and Tyrion in the crypt. You see all these people defending themselves and probably thinking that this is the last day of their lives. Last night, whatever, you get my point. So, there were three attempts at killing the Night King. One by Danny with Dragonfire, which failed and then became a big meme. 
second by John, who was this close to charging at him but couldn't, and then the third by Theon, of all people, who knows that it's of no use but runs with the spear anyway. And then finally, we get the answer to the question we all have had since a very long time now who kills the Night King? Arya Stark kills the Night King, and a lot of people had other ideas about the death or, you know, expected. Danny or John to kill the Night King but I think it made perfect sense for her to kill him with the dagger Bran gave her because as I said earlier no one except a few people knew what she had become and being a woman she has numerous she's met numerous people in her life who told her what's right for her and made decisions for her and I think she was the right fit to kill the Night King and end the war. We've got a lot of deaths in this episode too. Ed from the Night's Watch dies defending Sam Beric Dondarrion, who was brought back seven times, dies defending Arya Stark, which is actually an answer to everyone, including Arya, who was wondering why Beric was brought back so many times. We also lost Lyanna Mormont, Theon Greyjoy, and Jorah Mormont. So Jorah dies defending his queen and the woman he loves and he's extremely devoted to. And this was the most Danny has ever needed help. So if he had to choose, he wouldn't have chosen a better way to die than this. The fourth episode starts with mourning the dead and then there's a celebratory feast. The feast also has a different kind of depth because every character who has survived has a bittersweet feeling of defeating the dead but also losing their people. This scene is the first time Danny notices how loved John is among his people, how good he is at ruling people and balancing things. When Danny gets the news, she didn't really get the time to process it but now it has finally started hitting her that if the word gets out, it will take no time at all to turn the tables. The next scene when she goes to see John in his chambers is a very crucial point in the plot because everyone knew Danny wasn't going to take it well, but she out and out threatens him that if anyone gets to know about it, things will change between the both of them. When I watched the scene for the very first time, I was very disappointed in her very disappointed this was like the beginning of the first evident change in danny and she was clearly turning into someone she wasn't however in retrospect i think that was a valid reaction and everything that happened later were the consequences of the truth coming out in the open so there was an incident a couple of months ago in my college there was this project competition that everyone had to participate in and we did pretty well there and after we were having lunch a staff member walks at us and says you guys are probably the winners you guys are probably winning this thing and we were like really how and i remember the first question that stirred among us was is this you, you is this a competition because we initially thought it was a presentation that was how seriously we took it but the moment she said you guys probably are probably the winners we were obviously very happy and a few minutes later she said i don't know for sure maybe you guys will win the second prize but it's definitely in the top three and literally five minutes ago the only thing we were happy for was that they started serving buttermilk in the canteen and suddenly she said we might win and there was like one hour of suspense before we got to know the results and that was the worst because now that we know that we have a shot at this we wanted the first place if she hadn't told us any of this we would be super happy for the second place also but it was basically like giving false hopes and that's the thing about human psychology once someone gives you a tiny bit of hope and dangles the carrot in front of you you get desperate to have the carrot 
so anyway we didn't win the competition we got the second prize and we were very gloomy but you know eventually every sorrow of life has to sink in someday coming back to thrones the iron throne was basically danny's carrot and she wasn't brought up to be the queen right she had elder brothers but her destiny got her where she was meant to be and i hope all of this is making sense to you but she had freaking dragons and she's this close now for all we know she's probably having sweet courtroom dreams with her sitting in the throne she's almost got the carrot and now there's a man with a better claim to the throne and no matter how much he says he doesn't want it but things are definitely going to change and she knows that for sure so she begs john not to tell the truth to sansa and arya but thinking he can have it both ways john does the exact same thing she told him not to and sansa being taught the power of knowledge by little finger tells it to tyrion and who then tells it to varys good god after the feast the free folk leaves for the north Arya and the Hound leave for King's Landing, and Danny leaves for Dragonstone. As soon as Danny reaches Dragonstone, Euron Greyjoy attacks her fleet, takes Missandei as captive, and kills Rhaegal. It's basically a message from Cersei that it's not time to celebrate just yet. So there's a parley between the two queens just outside King's Landing, where both of them try to talk to each other and to surrender, but it obviously fails because you know the carrot. So Cersei executes Missandei and declares war. And before Danny recovers from all of these losses, Tyrion brings her the news of Varys's betrayal. So, no matter how much her heart breaks during when she does that, but she has to burn Varys alive. The Bells is one of the most disturbing episodes I've ever watched. I remember weeping as I watched it because you can see what went wrong and where. you can see how one thing led to another and you know that this isn't danny this isn't what she wanted to do but people made her do it she lost everyone and everything fighting for someone else's war and that man didn't do the one thing she begged for and she realizes the difference between fear and love for a ruler and she realizes she can never have the love she can only have the fear no matter what and then in a split second she chooses destruction she chooses violence and a targaryen choosing violence is a pretty bad thing the siege quickly turns into war and the war escalates to a freaking fire fest and i don't even want to talk about cersei's death because that is the one thing i was looking forward to and that is the one thing i blamed the writing for for the longest time but now i guess they didn't want to add to danny's horrible and changed image by murdering a pregnant woman The one person who unfortunately suffers a lot in this episode is Arya who runs through the city getting severely injured every step of the way and I think that part was only for the audience they did that so we could care about what's happening on the ground and blame Danny which I did for almost a year The last episode of Game of Thrones I have cried every single time when I watched that episode but the first time I cried was for different reasons She was so hopeful. She was so happy. She was finally where she's always wanted to be. And then John enters, and she's saying all of these beautiful things about building a new world and a right world. And first, I cried because I was happy for her, and eventually, it changed. You know, <laughs> because he stabbed her. Who? I mean, he killed her. 
how can one possibly kill the woman he loves and no matter how much i try i will never understand why he did what he did because there were other ways he could have dealt with the situation there were hundreds of other options and he chose the one he shouldn't have chosen i wonder how he would live with himself after what he did i mean i know what happens next but i've never really watched the part of this is where our game stalls ended for me i saw memes and pictures and stuff and all of my friends know how much this has affected me so we don't really talk about the finale ever anyway that was how game of thrones has been for me and it's my perception of the show so everyone might or might not agree with it and as i said earlier this is a way to get closure over danny's death and move on and talking about the whole thing and sharing it with you guys really helped me to see the bigger picture so i'm not really hung up on the finale anymore thanks to you guys So yeah, this is it. Thank you for listening to me for such a long time. Please, please, please let me know what you think about this episode. I'm going to try and upload the next episode before New Year, so keep checking the space for more updates or find me on my Instagram at @sanyy with double e.